Back to 20 good minutes. It has been uh, only one week. We record every week, and this is now the next week, right? Welcome back was funny. Welcome back. <laughs> we should really be just introducing people to the podcast. Yeah, this We've is been... uh, so I'm the host, and my guest no, today. No, no, is no, 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 no. We're not starting off like that. Start afresh. New Year, new us. Okay, we are uh, both we are both hosts of the podcast. I let you lead into the podcast. You you do. I I always do the the intro. I feel like you're using me. Honestly, should I ask for a raise? No, I just like to, I like a bit of a, a bit of fanfare before I appear. Uh, you know, you know, so you, know, oh, you have like so a compare, introduce it. someone else. I'm the opening act. That's <laughs> yeah, oh, re- I never yeah, knew you how really you thought about that. Really. That makes that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, you you introduce me. I walk out. I I do sort of a wave. You sort of side off to the side of the the, the, the what do you call it the uh, stage, and then I carry on. Well, such a, a man so accomplished me. in stagecraft, you should know what a stage is called. Uh, yeah, but when you've done it for so long, it's all a blur. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we've not done a podcast for some time. July mm. was the last one. It surprised me <laughs> when I looked at it two minutes ago. Yep, uh, uh, didn't think it's gone on since then. There has. I, I'm well, namely the most important thing. I I moved, and then uh, I did a ridiculous amount of World Cup coverage that I'll probably never be able to do again. And then I went home for the holidays. So we, I want you, to, everybody, to know, and Ben will appreciate this. It was my fault mm-hmm. we didn't record for six months. It was. No, it's, it's a joint effort. It's a joint effort. We could, I, we could have done them. We, yeah, is, we could just, have, but we were busy. When it wasn't a priority before, it is right now. Hence, you're hearing this. So. Exactly, and we have a bunch of stuff to talk about, which is the benefit of not doing it for six months. Uh, from <laughs> FM yeah. released a new game. Ronaldo released a new continent. Uh, the Premier League has played, the World Cup happened, and the United States national team in your Zealand-US corner uh, is falling apart. But yeah, let's... what would this podcast be without that? <laughs> so we need to make sure I, we get a little bit of that. You're at least spared from random international talk. I'm not going to check that box today. Yeah. Well, interestingly, a lot, of the, a lot of these things did sort of coincide, no more so than... A football manager coming out, the new football manager, for those that are unaware, it's the, it's the game means even play for the majority of our income, I think it's probably fair to say. Uh, we are professional football manager players. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's, that? what, that's what my business card says. Sounds good, doesn't it? Um, and as that game came out, you decided the best business decision was to watch 35 days of the World Cup coverage and not play <laughs> football manager. I, I've been planning to do that for a long time. I, I, did, I watched every match of the World Cup live on stream. And what people discredit as part of that, like, the quote-unquote grind, I made a preview video for every single team in the 32 days leading up to the World Cup, which took a lot of time. So, yeah. I yeah, right after Football Manager came out, my executive decision was to spend essentially two months doing World Cup-based stuff every single day. <laughs> I think most FM people would find that bold. I thought that was bold. I thought that is a play. But so, so 
why? It can't just be because of the love of the World Cup. I'm sure that's part of it. But did, did FM's lack of excitement, to put it mildly, did that play a part in that? I wouldn't say that I was enjoying the new game. I, I don't think that anybody that you talk to that plays a lot of football manager would say that the game has improved a, a lot or, or that it's more fun to play than it was a year ago or that they really love the way that the scouting was overhauled and not really self-explanatory or the fact that the match engine has improved in some aspects and gotten worse in other aspects. It seems to be tradition at this point, but it really yeah. was, it came from a, I feel and felt like I could be doing more with the YouTube channel than I was. Like I could okay. just keep playing the hits and give you like the 20 <laughs> best wonder kids every year. Right. And, and do yeah. that every year but i don't want every year to be the same right i want to try new things every year and we have such a good editing team right who will be putting this podcast together as well yeah, yeah that i was like we need to lean into that and see if we can do we did 35 videos in 32 days and that was a real serious accomplishment i followed that up by releasing six videos over the next 32 days this, <laughs> this is an this is an indictment of me really uh, but that amount of videos, I've done 24 videos since July, since this podcast last went out. So I've, I now realize so that my YouTube channel uh, is only alive when this podcast is alive. Well, I'm That's super we happy we this. could bring you back off life support. Well, yeah, if anything, thank you. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm happy to, it's great, it's great to be back. No, I've not really, I've not really been uploading on, uh, on YouTube, really. Yeah, so I was, July. I was going out trying new things and I, I'm liking making more videos about about soccer but then you have really leaned mm. into the the streams your twitch guy well I've done more of that I think I when Fort Manager first released so for those that are unaware Fort Manager released in sort of late October early November and when it released it didn't release in let's say the best quality ever some of the match engine issues were quite stark and I didn't really want to begin anything and, I, and you know what it's like. You don't want to be sat on a stream or making videos and whinging about what you're making while making it. And I couldn't look, sadly for me, I couldn't look past the issues that were to me were quite glaring. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about them more on sort of YouTube content coming up soon. But yeah, I couldn't look past that. So I just, I'm, I'm sort of made the executive decision just to not play it, which I know is quite detrimental to a YouTube channel to just not upload anything. But I've always been sort of like, morally moronic in that i don't upload stuff that i'm not proud of or not excited about because i don't want to make other people feel like they should be excited about something that i'm not yeah so, so i don't i'm not i'm not that way inclined so as much as that's sort of a financial hit um especially during the launch of a game i do feel better about the fact that i didn't just pump out stuff that i ultimately wouldn't have been proud of because i've done that i have done that before and i and i don't feel good about it and i don't look back on that sort of stuff fondly um so yeah, it's been a time of reflection, really. And equally, like a lot of conversations have gone on between myself and other creators and football manager about the way the games come out in, in this year. And it's it's been an interesting launch. I think it's a I think it's a spanner year. I think that when you make a yearly sports game, you just end up with these because you can't make dramatic improvements every year. It's just too quick of a turnaround because you only spend about half the year working on the new game because you spend the first six months trying to fix the old game and patch it up and drop an update to it or whatever. Uh, I think this is just a spanner edition. I, I think that there was yeah. just not a great palette of features to be added to this edition in particular, and I think that's because 
and I have no source to confirm this at all. <laughs> I, I like seriously, I don't. Uh, but I, they've said it's coming in the next couple of years. I am utterly convinced because of the way they played down the feature set this year that like women are being added to the game next year because this release was just yeah. not paradigm shifting for me at all. I think that well, that's that's totally fair, right? That it's just, as you call it, a spanner year. Um, a year where they're obviously working on more stuff than they're they're putting out. I don't think as a community we we should just like take that though and just go that's fine you know everything should carry on as normal I think the problem they've had this year more than any other year and it's a lot easier to say in January than it was maybe in like November when we first did a big video called the truth about football manager which was sort of our truth about football manager rather than the actual truth is that if you produce a game where the new features and the new elements of the game aren't stand out and aren't super impressive then you do feel inclined to look at what's already there closer and I think when you look closer at some of that and then team that with some of the stuff that's potentially made the game worse in some elements, I, th I don't think the problem with FMZ is that no one thinks it's a bad game. Mm. Everyone thinks it's a great game, which is absolutely fine and it is. But for a game that comes out yearly and a game that charges you yearly for improvements, you do have to look at those improvements. And again, when they're not there, you look closer at the things that are already there. And, I, and that, that has caused me some discomfort this year, more so than other years when I've not felt the need to be like this about it because... When, when people actually and equally people have asked me to be people like for a long time ever since i've done content and as, as soon as you have an audience people think oh well, you represent us so you should be the people speaking out and saying stuff and for years me jack and kev especially because we've done it for a, coming up on a decade like we've we've said no we don't feel like there's enough here to complain about and this year when we do a lot of people agree with us but there's also that, that sort of scope of people that go stop complaining all the time it's like i haven't been complaining all the time that's why me complaining now should should matter more i think but it's an interesting perspective either way you look at it. I've gotten plenty of that gas on my uh, my my live channel where I update I, I upload these condensed live streams and uh, there's there's a there's a there's a contention of people that are, oh will you just stop complaining about the game I'm like I try and do it in a reasoned way you know where I say yeah, like look I know Nick Madden for example right the good yeah. good guy the guy that works on the match engine I know what he's trying to do and then sometimes something happens in the match engine and I'm like that's just not the way that's supposed to happen but it, it could also come off as you just being a sore loser because I think people are yeah. having a bit of a harder time being consistently successful in this game so it's hard to balance on the knife edge of you need to complain about the game to some extent because we all generally agree that this is not a good release of football manager and you don't want to come off as this sore loser that's like, well, I'm complaining every time I lose. So I try and point out when the match engine messes up, even if it results in me scoring. I'm not good at it, though. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel the same. To me, yeah, match engine stuff is... I think some elements of the match engine are better, some, some elements are worse. For example, I think defending is worse, and I think attacking is better. So, and I think the general play in the middle of the pitch is just different. I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't, I still don't really know if it's better or worse. It's just a bit more fluid, a bit more bouncy. Less so after the patch they put out. I think they tried to contain a few of the issues. Um, but I, I think when we when we look at it as a whole, it's still a great game. It's just an underwhelming release. And again, as people that play it for a living, like that's tough to just like grit and bear. Like some people do that really well. Like Lelujo is someone that is able to just sort of forget all that. And I think Jack's doing a similar thing this year. And again, you've been away from the game for enough time in the last few months that you've not you're not as, you're not as deep in the hole as I. <laughs> I'm looking at it, being like, oh man, this is problematic. So especially when you stream and. You mentioned there, like you try not to be negative, and it's like, yeah, but on the sixth animation issue in that game, <laughs> in, in one match, I'm like, I have to, I can't, I'm, I'm going to explode. I'm going to explode. It's really difficult. And um, 
yeah, I think the problem for a football manager is the things that people are complaining about currently are not small fixes. They are gigantic fix fixes. And whether they're fixed soon or at some point, I don't know. What's your number exciting, one number one fix then? The animations, the graphical animations need to change because because they are the, the match engine. I think is quite good as an overall, but it is done a huge disservice by some frankly ludicrous animations that have existed for years that they've built on top on on top of that make it look even worse. So even if the match engine is doing as it's supposed to do, the animations do not represent that. So got like goalkeepers diving either too high or too low, tackles going in that either connect or don't connect, players morphing through one another, all, all these like things that just make it feel less fluid and break immersion essentially. So take you out of the moment of you're playing a football match or managing a football match to suddenly looking at all of these issues. And again, when you have like, and I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. When you have like four, five, six of those per game, and then you play 10 games in a stream. Well, for three games for you. When you play 10 <laughs> games in a stream. I'm moving a lot faster, for the record. I, I'm <laughs> moving a lot faster this year, but continue. <laughs> when you play so many games in a stream, that adds up over time. And yeah, there'll be games where there's like one issue or no issues. But the fact is there is an issue in, and I say this as someone that has streamed the game quite a lot so far, there is probably an issue on average twice a game, three times a game. I agree. And that and that is like, that's problematic. Do, do you agree that's the biggest issue or are you set pieces only? I'm not set pieces only. I, I think that <laughs> you're you're kind of on it. But what I would I would change specifically is the defender positioning on almost everything. Like the 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 the, the <laughs> match and yeah, the, the look, the match engine very well say may say that this person should be open. But the way that the center backs move when the ball is in the air or when the yeah. ball goes out wide and then is played in makes almost no logical sense. And the I, I, I've used this a couple times on stream where I'm like, look, if I'm looking at something and you can reasonably expect a U12 team to not make that mistake, then it probably shouldn't be happening in the game. Yeah, right. I where agree. they're actively running away from the player with the ball. If anything, the mistake that's most often made is being too zealous running towards the person with the ball. Nobody's ever running away from the ball when they are the closest person to the ball. So that is the thing that breaks my immersion the most. Maybe I've just gotten used to all the phasing through people and stuff is the defenders just yeeting themselves out of the way. When the ball is in the air, just running the opposite direction or standing still while everybody else is trying to recover for them. Uh, it's just a it's weird and it's a shame because I do think that there's a greater variety, a much greater variety of goals scored in FM than in past years. And yeah. that is something that's very entertaining. But I would change the defender positioning. So maybe. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's also it's also not represented as well. So if a ball does go over the top, a player turns on a dime and then doesn't move quick enough to catch up with the defender. So in 3D, it looks like they're just stuck and they're not actually moving correctly, where, where sometimes like a player might stumble, turn, and then have to sprint back and it'll look a lot more realistic in that instance. Or that's like their turning circle isn't great. And also they, they changed the ball physics a few years ago and I feel like the players never really quite reacted well enough to the change in ball physics. But that was that's a bigger conversation for not right now. Um, ultimately, it's fine, but it could be better and should be better. And I will keep saying that until it's better. So I think that's important. Well, hey, I tweet that from time to time. I make a lot of friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I've, made, I've made a lot of friends and I've been on the forums of Football Manager. So 
there was <laughs> there's been there's been real like they've been all right they're, they're not too bad run some back and forth i did a survey z did you see the survey you did you released a football manager playing quality survey thing yeah it was more general it was more just to get some some feedback and a bit of idea about what would happen some people like the survey some people don't like the survey um but ultimately and i'm just getting the number up now seventeen thousand four hundred people have done it as of right now that's a good participation right there that's a lot of people mm-hmm. that play the game both casually and in a more hardcore manner and i know how casual or hardcore they are because i now have the data for that <laughs> so, so yeah and, I, and i'd say it's more of a casual potentially like middling amount of people than mm-hmm. like the hardcore or the casual people but i don't, I don't know how i don't know how we categorize hardcore football manager players that was a discussion we had on my stream the other day it's really hard to say are you a hardcore player i'd say you probably are. i i think i qualify like what ten thousand hours over the last decade yeah probably <laughs> yeah, i think i think we're probably hardcore but yeah it's a conversation that goes on a lot at football manager and i'm always interested into how they define that now but <clears throat> a conversation for another time uh, lots of footballs happens of yeah. hardcore no I thought I was going somewhere with that. Ronaldo, the mercurial best forward of my lifetime, generally, has decided Mm. to retire. Oh, well, that's bold. Is that that a fair statement? He's gone to Saudi Arabia since the last time that we recorded this podcast. And I will say for how unfortunate that is for the end of his career, if you had told us the last time we recorded a podcast that the next time we recorded the podcast Ronaldo would be in Saudi Arabia I would have thought we took a three-year hiatus yeah that's that's pretty mad when you look at it like that yeah no one would have predicted that in July I think the interesting thing with Ronaldo is it's not that he's retired but he has like I think it's fair to say he's given up I think he's concluded that's that's the end of his competitive career is how I would maybe define it and now he's he sort of merged into a more He's, he's sort of becoming David Beckham, isn't he? Before, like, like after Beckham's done it, and, and Beckham did it in certain certain ways, and now Ronaldo is now becoming the face of Saudi Arabia, like in terms of like the World Cup bids and international publicity. Which, for a man who is quite divisive, admittedly extremely popular, but quite divisive, I think is quite a bold move. Not one that I suspect they or Ronaldo are that aware of, but. Yeah, it's an interesting move. I think it's better for Manchester United on the off. I think it's good for them. But it seems a strange decision. And I, d- I don't know... Well, look, if he's done it for the money at the end of his career, then like fair enough. But he had explicitly said that wasn't why. <laughs> so, that, so that makes it difficult. I think he's justifying it for, him, for himself. I mean, he's the type of guy, right, as somebody that doesn't know him personally at all. He seems like the Do type of guy... No, believe it or not. Uh, he seems like the type of guy that is so sure of his own greatness that he can convince himself whatever he's saying is right. And you kind of need that to be as good as he has been. I mean, he's one of the five best players in the history of the sport. And yeah. he's basically sat down and said, well, I won everything in Europe. So now I'm going to go try and win everything in Asia. And I feel like he no, legitimately not, no, believes hang that. On, hang on. He, believe, he totally believes that. No way does he think I need to go and dominate Asia. That's That's what he said. And I actually that's, think that's he's convinced card. himself that's what he's doing. Go and dominate Asia as if that's like going to be up on his at the end of the, his career. They're going to go, yeah, Messi went to league good and dominated. Oh, and don't forget, Ronaldo dominated Asia for two years. Like <laughs> that's not going to be a thing, is it? He can't. You're right. If he's convinced himself of that, then fair play because that is lunacy. Like that that doesn't make any sense. I, to re- me. I really think he has because he doesn't. And I know it's easy for us to say he doesn't need the money, right? Like. I understand no. the 
absolutely ridiculous amount of money that he's getting. But he also already had a ridiculous amount of money. He's like close to being a billionaire anyways. And uh, maybe you just have an addiction to making money at that point. Maybe that's why he said yes. But I do think that he was offered to basically every Champions League club. And he couldn't stomach not playing for a Champions League club. And so he yeah. just decided to go play for a team that rather ironically is not in the Asian Champions League either. <laughs> Uh, it's just kind <laughs> it's of a gonna, side it's note. Gonna be, it's going to be difficult to dominate Asian football there. Uh, yeah, but, but, it, but yeah. It, why do you think he did it? What do you think his actual reason was before he convinced himself it was to go dominate Asia? I, I, I think it's the saddest reason of all. I think he didn't have a choice. I think his mm. choice was retire or go to Saudi Arabia. I think the point about European teams not needing him, like his his style of playing football, is very specific and only works for. Like X amount of players, and and it depends on stature and how they play, and reputation, obviously for Ronaldo and how he's affected Manchester United negatively, as well as the goals he scores negatively as a footballer, is problematic. So I think he's gone the I think he's gone to the best place to sell his brand. Um, I don't necessarily I think I feel like in terms of Europe, he's conquered that side of things, and maybe even in, in North America he has as well, as as far as he can because of the potential restrictions in North America. Um. And then, and then across other parts of the world, and maybe that that this is a place where he feels like he can be hidden to a degree, and at the same time keep his level of influence that he obviously really values. And I think he his biggest worry is being forgotten. I think, mm-hmm. which is ironic, considering where he's gone. But I think because of the money in the contract, that is enough of a talking point for people, and the fact that he is there. What's really interesting, and no one is talking about, is that I don't. I'll be honest, with you, I'm not a big watcher of the Saudi leagues. Um, That's shocking to me, but continue. I know, but I wonder how they are, like how they will handle him. In that he's not a like hugely explosive, quick, physical player anymore. But from everything I've heard, from like the, the Saudi national team didn't necessarily do a great like job of like showing showcasing that. Is that that's kind of what they are? They are known for being quite hardworking, quite athletic players. And and him working himself into that is going to be really interesting. Obviously, he's going to be levels above you would expect, even at the age he is. Oh, he's still I, 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 he's still, I think, undoubtedly the best player in that league. I mean, there's probably there's so. one or I two like else is there, but yeah. Uh, you have I like Salim Al Dasari, the guy that scored the great goal against Argentina. Ah, yes. Um, you have Mohamed Kano, who's that brilliant box-to-box midfielder they have. But if you're just, I mean, it's it's still Ronaldo, right? Like, this is a guy that was scoring yeah. match-winning goals in the Premier League, in the Champions League, or the Europa League, or wherever the heck he was last year. Uh, he was still scoring match-winning goals, and he still has that. One, he can jump out. He, he can actually still jump out of a stadium. I don't know how he's maintained <laughs> yeah. that part of his physicality, but he really still can. And he has such quality striking the ball. It's really just what you're going to get from him mentally because you can use that as like a target forward and just stick him up top and have everybody else play around him. He can still be the top goal scorer in the Saudi league. And you know, if he does that, we will, we, they'll still be talking about how great he is. And I think that's what he's hoping for. I know the contract's massive, but as you say, he doesn't need the money. I would, I would put a good amount of money on the fact he will not see out that contract. How long is it? I think, I think it's two years. And I think I think I think he'll get a year in and retire and think, do you know what? I've still earned X amount of money, still pretty good money. I'll continue my ambassadorial role that I said I'd do. But I, but he he will feel it as soon as he steps out on the pitch for his first like Saudi league game. 
and will think this isn't where I'm supposed to be. What this if, isn't what I work What for. if he does his Latan? He goes and then comes back. Well, well Latan is clear now. I, th- I think it's Messi's Latan <laughs> and then Ronaldo because for Latan to do what Latan did to go to go to the MLS, and I think Ronaldo would have got. So I know there's complications with it, but if, from a footballing perspective, if he'd have gone to the MLS and dominated there for a little bit, in the same way that Latan did. And then who knows, gets a loan move to a club in Italy or Spain or wherever else. Like, you, you, you get a lot, as Latin has proven, you get a lot more credit for that. Whereas this, uh, you, you summed it up with your first question of, or, or the first statement you made of, he's retired. That's how it feels to everybody. It didn't feel like that was, was Latin. It was like, this is the final chapter. And for, for Ronaldo, it doesn't feel like a final chapter. It just feels like the end. Yeah, well, I'm, and I'm, is, in, a, I'm in a peacock a little bit here in a way that I don't, normally have the opportunity oh, no, to uh the mls is just better than the saudi league uh, oh, I, yeah. I think pretty significantly I mean. and so zlatan shows up he goes to the la galaxy sticks his nose right into the biggest rivalry the biggest derby in the mls which is el trafico okay. between lafc and la galaxy he's el involved trafico, in a great good. name by the way uh he's yeah. involved in it heavily he, he's involved in playoff games he scores his 500th career goal it's a freaking worldie like he had a really good MLS career, and that's what bounced him back to Europe, honestly. And I do think Ronaldo maybe somewhere in his mind is dreaming that he can do that out of the Saudi league. But I think the level is lower, and I think there is a greater feeling that he's just doing it for the money where it felt, yeah. particularly with Zlatan, like he was coming to conquer the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's the aura. Well, Zlatan tends to say less, and then when he speaks, you listen, whereas Ronaldo's been a bit more vocal, obviously doing an interview with Piers Morgan. I think the, the problem Ronaldo's going to have is that the spotlight is still going to be quite bright, especially in the early part of his career there. And if he doesn't get like a goal a game at least, he's going to be deemed a failure. And that, and like, and that again is is what I think will potentially occur that he won't be quite as impactful as he wants to be. Imagine he doesn't start the first few games. <laughs> You're the coach. <laughs> that must be his contract that he must start. He must be on free kicks and penalties. Oh yeah, you, that's negotiated. He probably gets the captain's armband. Can't even speak to everybody oh, yeah. else on the team. It's a mess. Yeah, I, I like the idea that he's demanding all of that. It's like it's a fascinating situation which I'm sure we'll keep an eye on, but. Yeah, well, it's, it's like going to be on. Really. It's going to be top of the fold news if he say doesn't score for five matches in the Saudi league. Oh, Ronaldo's finished, and I do think all that's unfair because I think it's impossible to argue him away from. He is a top five player of all time. He has the numbers, yeah, well, the longevity, well, the peak. We sadly lost one of the of the top five players of all time, which is sad, isn't it? Oh, don't make me ask who. Please just say a name. No, Pele. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. I, I think my brain is actually <laughs> rotting sometimes. Because I obviously Pele. heard about that. Because it's it was, impossible it was not of, to. It was, it was at a difficult time because it was around Christmas and everyone yeah. was thinking about other I, things. But it is, it's really sad. But my, so my question was going to be, in this top five that you've created, who's in it? Right. And who, I know it's a bit basic, this question. Yeah. But it leads us quite nicely onto another topic. Um. Who, how do you rank your top five? I think well, there, I think there experience. are four inarguable yeah. players in the top okay. five players of all time. And I think Pele is one of them, um, which I hope in making this list, I would have remembered that he had just died. I read an amazing article about his time with the New York Cosmos uh, that was released yeah. when he died. He's a fascinating like guy. Yeah. And uh, the, I would say Pele's there. Messi is there. Ronaldo is there. Uh, and Maradona? I was going to say, yeah, yeah, Maradona is the fourth one. Um, mm. I, I didn't get to watch Pele or Maradona play, 
But in my opinion, the impact that those people have had on people that did watch them play is just different than basically any other player. I think the yeah, fifth no, I, spot, I the fifth spot is up for debate. But I think Pele, yeah, Maradona, I, uh, Ronaldo, and Messi are are definitely all in the top five. Like, uh, yeah, the fifth the fifth spot is 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 really is really questionable. I think the Pele just like cause I'm I am someone that regularly says that Messi is the best player of all time, and obviously his win at the recent World Cup didn't change that for me personally. And even had Ronaldo won the World Cup of Portugal, it, to me it's not a, it's not an amazing barometer for, oh yeah, that's certain now. But I think in terms of like the global scope of football, it's still a massive notch on your belt. Um, so like my list would probably be Messi, Ronaldo, Pele, Maradona in that order. And then you can pick any of like Cruyff, Zidane, Best. Like, yeah, that, it's, 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 like, it's Cruyff, anyone, Zidane, right? Best. Um, I don't necessarily like call it. Ronaldo Nazario. Um, to not call him Fat Ronaldo for once. No, I call him uh, Brazilian Ronaldo or no, yeah, yeah, it, but but R nine, yeah, R nine. Um, I'm actually, but then I mix things up. I say things like CR nine, and people are like, "Who are you talking about?" And I'm like, "I'm American, <laughs> sorry." Um, yeah. but there, there's a whole list of players. I have people throw Beckenbauer around, Pushkish. If you really want oh, to yeah. be like a re- Mbappe, r- ridiculous historian. I think, and th- this <laughs> is th- th- okay. So that 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 brings that. <laughs> to a close, we'll keep an eye on Ronaldo <laughs> while he's in Saudi Arabia. I think, and I tweeted this, and I got a lot of controversy for it, but I really do believe this. I think Mbappe, I think Mbappe is on pace to become the greatest international player of all time, passing Pele. Uh, I mean, yeah. He's definitely on pace. He's been in one final where he scored a hat-trick but didn't win, and he won the other one, and he's, what, 24? I mean, yeah. He's twenty. He's, he's uh, twenty-three. Twenty. He's just twenty-four. But it's okay. Oh, okay. He's only just wow. When's his birthday? Yeah, I've got it on my calendar. It's the twentieth of December. Oh, well, um, that's nice. Very important. He, yeah, he was born after the Brazilian defeat in France when they won in ninety-eight. So that that uh, how old am I? That <laughs> makes me thirty-two. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm fine. Makes me thirty-two. I'm Fair twenty-seven then. I guess. Are you really? Yeah. You just you just had a birthday. To be I fair, I did. I am twenty seven. I that makes me three years older than Mbappe, which is great, cool, fine, whatever. Uh, Killian has twelve <laughs> World Cup goals at twenty three. By the way, yeah, that's which insane. Is four for those that don't know is four away from the all time record for the most goals of, at the World Cup, which is held by Miroslav Klose, who broke that record when I'm pretty sure, and this is true, he was forty seven years old. <laughs> I hope I hope Mbappe doesn't break it until he's like thirty six. Just like Imagine holds on to the drama. I think he smokes. I think he smokes it at the next World Cup. I think he goes I, I, into the I next World well, Cup but... at 27 years old and just breaks the record and be. And he's immediately in the conversation for the best yeah, World takes, Cup player. See, just takes like one injury. I know. One, I know. One France like early exit, and then it's just like oh. Well, you know drama. what's you know what's wild is um, Thomas Muller, who is the guy that was supposed to. Uh, he was. I don't want to say he was the previous Mbappe because he was never that explosive and never considered, no. you know, the next coming of the great world players. He did have 10 World Cup goals at a similar age. And then yeah, he, and then in the last two down. World Cups, Thomas Muller has scored exactly zero goals. Oh, see, that's quite sad in a way. Well, the only problem for, for Mbappe will be if Messi's there as well. Because Messi's got mm. only one more than him, as things stand. And in, I will say, 12 more games. Um, but only one more than him. So in theory, if Messi's there again, 
which is possible. I think likely, actually. They, they, so. They've said that he he's now all of a sudden angling to play at the next World Cup too. Yeah, to, to defend it, etc. Like if he scores three or four, like he'll get the record as well. And then Mbappe eventually one day will take it in a sort of Harry Kane, Alan Shearer-esque manner, <laughs> I suspect. But yeah, really fascinating. On to the final of that World Cup, Zealand. I mean, it was uh, it was a good final. It was the best final. There, I've said it. It, it was finals and people usually forget this because you're just so excited for the final of a world cup they usually <laughs> suck right like yeah, they're usually yeah. very the entire match is boring and then some random dude like mario goza just pops up right <laughs> and scores the goal and you're like whoa or it's andres iniesta or it's france and croatia and really throughout that entire game you never think that croatia is going to win it uh in for 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 it to not only be a crazy game, right? A game that it's just back and forth and like, wow, this is ridiculous. But to have the two megastars be the ones that are doing the goal scoring and making that huge impact. And I, I can't expect to ever see a World Cup final, especially with that much importance behind it that yeah. is that good. I don't think we beat that. And again, I'm 30. I've seen quite a lot of finals. The one that the only one that sticks out to me before that is when France beat Brazil three one, and it was like the fall of Brazil, and they they won four years later. <laughs> so they bounced back pretty quickly. But because like Zidane and Petit scored in that game, Zidane was like running it. Zidane was the guy, and and that was the last one that I remember. That I remember thinking this is a, this is like incredible. What's happening here? And I was only eight or something like seven or eight. But I do remember the time. I've watched it back since, and like I remember the feelings I had. But this one is like so far and away better than that one. So the fact we're, we're never going to see a better one is quite sad now you've put it like that. It's over. The World Cup's finished. Well, they, what they need to do is change up the format. Well, good thing, they're, good thing they're doing that. So, <laughs> Yeah, good thing they're doing good that. Thing. I, it was, I actually think it's a good thing. Well, I know. I've whole, seen the whole, You're chomping at the bit to go after me for this. I, I want to give some credit to the rest of this World Cup too. Okay, because as loathsome as almost every part of this World Cup was off of the field, on the field, yeah. this was arguably the best World Cup I think that has ever been played. It's somebody that researches yeah. this stuff a lot. From the Dutch game against Argentina, which was an um, unbelievable match, to yeah. the incredible run that Morocco had are through arguably the hardest round of 16 match and the hardest quarterfinal match. Uh, that they just fought their way through both of those and then basically injuries sunk them. And then the group stage where there was a three-day stretch where Tunisia beat Morocco, Cameroon beat Brazil, and South Korea beat Portugal. <laughs> the thing is, it had this World Cup, and it's hard to get this, it literally had everything you want from a World Cup. And as an England fan who lost in the quarterfinals, expectedly lost in the quarterfinals, <laughs> as far as I predicted England to finish, to lose to France in that game was almost exactly as I thought it would go. It, like Not quite to the Harry Kane penalty miss, but I thought a close defeat to France was almost inevitable. Like, it just had everything. The underdog story of Morocco, that Messi winning in, a, in, the, in the manner that he did, and Mbappe still showing himself to be the next one up. Like, I can't imagine, as much as people talk about, like, Ronaldo's sadness at not being in that situation. I remember Erling Haaland sitting at home in Manchester going, for the love of God, we need, to, we need better Norwegian players quick. Like, because obviously that's going to be a big part of his legacy, you'd imagine. And he might have a similar situation to Messi, in that that national team is just never up to his level. But Norway have got a lot of exciting players coming through. So, 
we could like it wouldn't be unheard of if they did a morocco do you know what i mean got to like that level of a tournament at some point one day who knows with with enough firepower but it just it just had, oh, it had everything group stage upsets some amazing some amazing games in the group every world cup previous to this has had like two or three games that are memorable this has about eight and i can't remember them all that's, <laughs> exactly. how, that's how good it was it was in there were games uh, I, i'm trying to remember which one it was uh switzerland serbia was a ridiculous game nobody cares portugal ghana we just... watched portugal ghana together do you remember that we oh. watched it on your screen and then, uh, right at the end of the game what was it Inyaki williams steals the ball from diogo costa and then slips and can't score oh, it after mate. picking the goalkeeper I, it was it, it deserves an homage somebody more talented than me <laughs> to make like an hour-long compilation that is a tribute to the world cup of just what a tournament i mean yeah sh- what a tournament and i was so tired for the whole thing because i was waking up at 3 30 <laughs> in the morning every day yeah that was crazy that is that is the equivalent of me staying up till three in the morning to watch the new york rangers as a like, moronically one yesterday Oh, congrats Sorry. yeah no and uh you, you uh you you beat us on opening night and i was at the game in new york so i just I well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I remember that very exciting ah, brutal yeah. that was savage but i would i loved the world cup and i am sad that it's over but it, actually and this is just a little fun fact you can throw out the next world cup is closer after the end of the last world cup than it ever has been that's true. Mm. It's a good, good, good calendar fact. So, so thank you. Uh, I, I love a good calendar fact. Well, the, yeah, the, equally, the Euros is only next year now, which is weird. Oh, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> huh. So looking forward to that. <laughs> very quick. I mean, it's always technically next year as soon as you get to a new year, but it feels very soon after a World Cup for it to be next year. But yeah, here we, here we go. By 2024, um, you mean? But, uh, we talked about the Premier League yet. Shall we do our predictions for it? I think Arsenal will surprise everyone. <laughs> and be because we've not done predictions on the podcast. I, so I thought... look like a genius, by the way. I Did said it? I said it. Yeah, I said two years ago, I said I think Arsenal's gonna win the league in the next five years. I am on track to look like a freaking genius. It looks good right now with less than half the season played. You're right. That, thank you. Yeah, I, I'll take all my credit now because I do have a feeling the machine of Manchester City is going to devour these uh, feel-good stories at some point. But yeah, right now, pretty freaking cool for for, for Arsenal cool. because they have been getting kicked for so long. Yeah, deservedly so. They made some pretty horrendous decisions on and off the field. But now you say, you know, five, as we record, five points clear at the top of the Premier League table which seems mad after 17 games. Uh, Siege behind them at 39. Newcastle, 35. Hey, that's Saudi money on, hits. Dude. Let's go. Yeah. Well, that, that actually, we didn't talk about it. That's the greatest bit of Ronaldo's contract. Have you heard about this? I I, if, I thought somebody came out and said this wasn't true. That Ronaldo, oh, if, he, if, if Newcastle makes Let's the pretend. Champions League, Ronaldo just shuttles from one Saudi uh, asset to another. I love the idea of Eddie Howe just going, no, I don't need you here. But Chris Wood, why would we... Why would we possibly need you for this? We've got this under control. And have you seen Alexander Isaac? He runs and presses and can jump. Why would I? I don't need you. Enjoy your 14 goals in six games. In the <laughs> we're, we're busy over here trying to win continental competitions. Um, so, yeah, like it's been a fascinating season. The decline of Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah, well, the the dec- it's really. more of the decline in, of Liverpool and the destruction of Chelsea, I think. Yeah, okay, that's probably fairer. We've, we, Liverpool have just been 
just, I've, I've shrugged my shoulders a lot watching Liverpool this year more than I have in previous years. Just sort of, all oh, right, yeah. With Chelsea, they are infuriating to watch, and I don't support them. That is that's how annoying they are. Mm. They also, then, they, 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 I, I don't blame players. Potter. By the way, the new, the new coach of Chelsea, oh, no, I, who I blame, also became I blame the Bowley. coach since we I, last recorded. I, well, I blame Roman for involving himself with the a Russian regime, and then I, I I blame Todd Bowley for appointing himself sporting director. Now deciding probably not a good idea, mm. and appointing a manager that was never on the radar ever before. But because he had a good start to the season, they concluded, yeah, that's that's what we need. I th- I, I I can't you can't blame him though. There's eleven play like you register twenty five players for the Prem. They have eleven yeah. players hurt right now. Yeah, but when I, when Liverpool had this issue, it was get over it. You've got a squad for a reason. You spent all this money. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to start feeling sorry for Chelsea. Well, I never said that to Liverpool, so no, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't fair, attempt to justify imp- their position. <laughs> that wasn't an impression of you. I should. That was, oh, that was oh, okay, clearly thanks. a Lelujo. So, uh, um, I, yeah, people, but people did say that. I, I think Chelsea's. You're right. Chelsea's injury issues are pretty vast. I think the problem is. Even some of the injured players wouldn't be having that much of an impact. The only one that I think is having a real impact is Reese James's absence because Azpilicueta should be a director of football somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> he's still playing right back oh, Bob. For, for Chelsea. Oh, yeah, he's, Bob. he's really struggling. Bob, I thought it was Dave. Dave oh, is it Dave? Dang it. Oh, Who's Bob? I I, the, for, I I mixed up my simple names, okay? I don't want to hear this. It's Dave. They call him Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said I Dave, Dave, Dave. That's Dave. great. I mixed up my it's simple names. I was thinking, who's Bob? Right, let me figure out who Bob is. Dave. But there's, there's a, it's not just Newcastle either. Uh, there are some surprising teams this year. Fulham, I didn't think was going to be any good at all. And Brentford is also in the I top 10. And as of recording, ahead of Chelsea, even though Chelsea has a match in hand, which given their recent form, yeah. they are very unlikely to uh to take advantage of i yeah. i out of all of those three who is the most surprising to you newcastle fulham or brentford oh blimey it's a, that's a phenomenal question i think fulham because fulham are the team i thought are the three that would get relegated mm. yet they sit seventh and are safe now and will absolutely be a premier league side next year almost no matter what happens you would suspect um newcastle's rise is more rapid considering they've not really bought in the players or the amount of players that people would have expected um and, and at the same time have maintained a level of like consistency that eddie howe probably couldn't have dreamed of but will absolutely have to take the credit for like he, the, the playing staff is not that different like it is different but it's not insanely different it's not a new 11 from the team that steve bruce had that was really struggling at the bottom of the league table now look at them like they are absolutely fine they've conceded 11 goals in 18 games better than anybody else arsenal closest with 14 conceded and then it's chelsea which sort of tells you oh actually city then chelsea which tells its own story with chelsea don't score enough goals um it's phenomenal like they've lost one game in 18 what is going on over there i I don't know but well they've only won half their games which is why i think newcastle is a bit of a glass house because they've they've only scored 32 goals that 11 goals conceded in 18 games is unbelievable yeah, is. I started the year doing football content and uh, did sort of like eight to ten videos called The Look Back, which um, no one looked at, so I stopped it. Uh, but, but it was a good series. But it meant I I was like I was analysing the Premier League to like a level that I never had before. And the one thing about Newcastle, and it's not a surprise to me that they've only lost one game, is that as a result of not losing, and this is going to sound obvious, because they weren't losing, they weren't losing. So they never had the momentum reset at any point. They were just drawing games and powering through and keeping a level of momentum and belief, which is so important to go on this type of run, which has allowed them and given them the footing to 
to go on and then go on as like a win, a win streak at times and, and allow themselves now to be a proper European contender, like a legit European contender, without having to spend the three hundred million that everyone thought they would have spent by now. It's it's incredible. It is impressive. I think it honestly comes from the shot of energy you get from knowing you have that money to spend and knowing that you're supposed to be good. It just gives you this freedom. But my well, most surprising only... team was Brentford. I actually, yeah, that, that's I, true. I but for, just just very quickly on Newcastle, right? If you're a player at Newcastle, you know that someone's going for your spot, and they don't even play for the club yet. So like, you have to be at it at Newcastle right now. <laughs> that's you're, true. You've got you are protecting your. You are under so much more pressure than like many of the top clubs who have those players at the club that are either too young or too old but equally have different levels of experience and technique to bring into a squad whereas at newcastle if you slip up or fall away they can go 40 million next and it's so it's so easy for them to do that so it'll be fascinating to see how long they can keep this going and eddie howe is equally under that pressure of he knows as much as he's got a contract at newcastle united if it starts to go awry gone because i'll just bring in someone new it's sort of like the chelsea effect immediately for newcastle and as much as there's probably like a real feel good attitude there that amount of pressure and scrutiny on being good like i don't know is, is driving them forward to, to positions that newcastle fans have never seen or well, have seen before but not for 20 years like, yeah not for remarkable. a long time i think they've safely won the war against sunderland who must be feeling more in the mud than ever and they're great they're allegedly great <laughs> derby be between one another but i said brentford I picked them for relegation. Yeah. That's why I'm surprised that they're doing well. I didn't pick I, Fulham yeah, for relegation, and I had Newcastle doing pretty well. But I picked Brentford to get relegated, and I look like an idiot. Thank you. I think it. I had – I can't remember. I think I had Bournemouth – I did a video on it, but I think I had Bournemouth Forest just maybe or just out. I definitely – I think I had Southampton down there. I thought Southampton's time was up. Um, but I think I had Fulham like second bottom, Bournemouth bottom, then Southampton, and then Forest just above them. I didn't think – I thought Everton would be far better off. And they're not. And I thought Wolves would be better than they are. And they're not. But, yeah. yeah is, is there any joy, Liverpool not doing well, that you get to watch Everton in a relegation battle again? Uh, sort of, it's just becoming routine now, Zeke. <laughs> so I'm not, not nearly as bothered as I thought, Reese. So, oh, <laughs> so, oh, for so those, those don't know the guy that normally edits these. Uh, it's Reese, <laughs> part, of the, part of the team that we have. And Sorry, huge Everton fan. We're sick, so it feel, it hurts as well. But I, I do feel like Liverpool are still absolutely primed to go on a run of like 10 games. It still feels like we will. It still feels like we're capable. Or in Cody Gakpo, which has solved our central midfield issues. So everything's fine. You know, yeah. Seven points off of uh, off a Champions League right now. But that is doable if Darwin Nunez can find the net. Oh, don't. That's not Darwin. <laughs> Speaking like... of dramatic individuals. <laughs> oh, that was my best transition of the podcast. Uh, the U.S. national team is falling apart because, and this is true, the head coach believes he was blackmailed during and that can't happen. during the tournament. He is currently well, the, Greg Berhalter, the rundown. under the investigation. I, I'm, I'm going to lay out the facts and then you can react to them Please because do. this is a wild situation. I, uh, Greg Berhalter is under investigation from U.S. soccer for assault. Uh, he released a statement at the same time uh, as U.S. Soccer saying that 32 years ago when he was dating his now wife and they were 18 in college, they had an argument at a bar and he kicked her in the shins. Uh, he then went to counseling for it and called her entire family to apologize and a whole bunch. It basically it sounds like they kind of worked through this and they've been married for 25 years. Right. Uh, and he then also says in his statement that there were ne'er-do-wells that were contacting U.S. Soccer threatening 
to end his career by releasing that story from 1991. And it comes out 24 hours later that those ne'er-do-wells are Gio Reyna's parents. Yeah, that's a bit mad, isn't it? And is that the sort of analysis you were looking for? Let, let me let me let me tie this all together for you. Gio Reyna's parents got married, and Greg Berhalter was the best man at that wedding. So this is like a family friend inner circle rock fight going on right now. That's bowled over to the national team. Yes. Of, <laughs> apparently, of apparently Gio Reyna's mom called the sporting director of the U.S. Federation, who she said she considers a close personal friend and was just venting about how her son wasn't playing and happened right. to slip in the story of Greg Berhalter 32 years ago, at which point this guy is obligated to start an investigation. And it's, it's like, no matter how high you go, you can't escape soccer moms. Yeah, I mean... On one level, and I, I don't want to upset Danielle, the mother of Gio Reyna, what has this got to do with you? Um, <laughs> like, if he wants to pick him or not, that's very much their prerogative on, on Gio Reyna, who, when he played, was all right, but not, I wouldn't say was incredible. I watched I watched the World Cup, he was all right. Um, would you have been better off with him in the team at times? Either way, I'm not sure you should be using your scope to <laughs> influence that decision. Did the, and, right and uh, sorry, I'm, I'm missing a very important part of the story. Oh, go on. Uh, there's so many weird parts to the story that it's easy to miss one. Danielle, Gio's mom, yes, Danielle, and yeah. Claudia Reyna, former U.S. national team captain's wife. That's Gio Reyna's yeah, former player of Manchester City as well. For those that don't know, he played mm. for Sunderland and City and Rangers, and like he's been he's a proper footballer. He right? was, yeah. He's. Uh, <laughs> He's now just supporting his wife in the public eye, uh, which I don't know if he's doing with a wide smile. Fair enough. Um, Danielle was roommates with Greg Berhalter's now wife, the woman who got kicked in the shins 32 years ago. They lived together all four years in college. So she was there when it happened. I mean, do you have to say alleged? I don't, I mean, I assume it's not, it's not alleged. Greg Berhalter released a statement. He said that happened. He went to count. He voluntarily went to counseling uh, as a way to kind of win her back and apologize to her family. He wrote a really long statement about it. So it did happen. It's I, if I said alleged that that's what he said happened. Right. I mean, I don't, is this why you got knocked out? I don't know because seven days after the World Cup, they started an investigation into Burhalter and like suspended him from all national team duty. And apparently during the entire World Cup, not only Danielle, but Claudio were calling all of their friends complaining. And the problem is whether this was intentional or not, all of their friends work at U.S. soccer because he's a former national team captain who's now the sporting director at Austin (sighs) FC. And she is just. I, I don't know how she's really good friends with Ernie Stewart, probably because her husband's Claudio Reyna. Right. Now, look, I've, been th- I've, I've given this some thought. Because okay. obviously you've come to me for the conclusion. I think we're all thinking the same thing, me, you, all the listeners, that if this isn't a problem Jerry Springer can solve, then what is the pro- <laughs> I think that, that should be the end of Jerry Springer because this seems perfect, doesn't it? This yeah, seems... it, 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 does. it does. I would love so, to be a fly on the wall of the phone call between Claudio and Greg who seem to be utter best friends. They grew up together in New Jersey. Yeah. 
It's, I, I realise actually, it's your equivalent of the Colleen Rooney, Rebecca Vardy situation. Kind of, not that yeah. Jamie and Wayne are best mates or anything, but it's like that. That it's that level of oh, I don't want to call it pettiness because there has been an assault, but like. But it, 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 here, here's my thing, right? Because there are levels to assault, right? Like there's yeah. there's really heinous stuff, and then there's you're 18 at a bar, and he and, and you immediately know you've done something wrong. And I think very tellingly, you've been married to the person for 25 years, right? Like you yeah. worked through yeah. it. They admitted you apologized to her entire family and voluntarily sought counseling, and it never happened again. And like that, and and so. I think it is okay to say that this was already handled, right? It was not something that he's proud of and yeah, not something ongoing, that, that it wasn't I mean? a bright like, spot is, in their lives, yeah. but it was something that, I mean, it was 32 years ago and in something that had been addressed extensively after it happened. And so okay. I think it, I think it is just an incredibly, it's like real housewives of us soccer is what just happened. Yeah. It'd be a great documentary. I think that's the, that's like this, this whole affair would be, would be fascinating ultimately i think everyone just and this sounds very british of me just everyone just calm down a bit <laughs> and just you know t- talk it out maybe again preferably in front of a studio audience with joe Shreer asking the questions uh, exactly. but yeah you know I've, yeah I've, i mean keep me updated on the, the goings on of uh u.s soccer because i realize that if this sort of stuff's going on <laughs> then i should re- i should really be told how much have i missed <laughs> in the last six months do you know what I mean i've come back in i'm like oh here we go some some hot gossip. I've had nothing. Of, I've had not very much about Concacaf, other than the, the documentary that Netflix put out, where where, where Jack Warner and, and and um what's his name Chuck Blazer got uh got lambasted. Was it Concacaf the been... freaking focus of that documentary too? Is <laughs> the US guy yeah. and the Trinidad guy the whole time? The whole time watching it, I'm thinking, oh, Zealand, Zealand, Zealand. What this is your whole your whole thing is just being ruined by Netflix. No, it's great. It was really interesting. I couldn't believe. Not. I talk for another time. I've seen people. If you've not seen the FIFA documentary, you should watch it for the sheer audacity of Set Blatter throughout. Like it's so oh. weird. It's so weird. It's fascinating, but it's so weird. He's like an. He's um, an. He's an old man apologist for himself. It's wild to watch. Yeah. No, it's really, really weird. But the fact he plays left back in Saudi Arabia. I mean, fair play to him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Well, it's, it, it is. It is according to Ronaldo, the number one best thing to do in retirement. We'll see you on the next episode of 20 Good Minutes on you. See you in July.